Nathan, it's been a little while. <clears throat> it's okay to eat while podcasting, right? Yeah. Uh, although I already finished my smoothie, so. Smoothie? Ah. Yeah. Just remembered I like Protein my smoothie. in the car. Protein smoothie. Is that a go-to mm-hmm. for you? Yeah, yeah. I've been just making them. Um, so right now we are watching live the reveal of the first four images that NASA is releasing from the James Webb Space Telescope. And uh, it's it's pretty exciting. Okay, can I just say this this live stream feed looks like it's from 1985. Oh yeah, it's it's janky as hell and it's just the greatest thing I think but I've style, ever seen. Stylistically, it's like all the clothes everybody's wearing, all the hairstyles. It's the, great. The... It's NASA. They're doing a live stream. They don't know what they're doing. <laughs> it's true. They know how to make they don't they know how to make space cameras. They don't they don't know how to run a live stream. They don't care what it looks like. They it's just great. Care if it works. And if it works, it's everyone that's been on here has been so geeky. It's great. Yeah. Um, well, I'm excited. Okay. So can you kind of set the, uh, should we wait? Let's wait. The, obviously they're, they're saving the last image for as the best image, right? I'm assuming this yeah. is a big deal. It's, okay. Is this where we uh, find out that aliens exist? There's <laughs> another earth. I don't know. Took a picture of us at the same time. <laughs> That'd be kind of crazy. Uh, okay, I'm not going to have the live stream volume up, so I'm just literally, literally looking at two guys, two dudes talking. Right. You know, a part of me wonders if if NASA has this drive to always make better and better image quality because all the people at work that work there, they just have horrible eyesight because they're just staring at screens <laughs> all day, and they're like, just to keep up <laughs> with our own our own uh, failing eyesight in our old age. We mm-hmm. need to. Uh, because <laughs> so, if you looked at some of the back-to-back comparisons from previous telescopes, it literally looks like things are just becoming more and more in focus. Like yeah, they have these. Uh, have you seen the thumbnails where it's exact yeah. same section of space, and they show you the difference in sharpness? And it's like, oh, it just looks like the same photo, just becoming more and more in focus. <laughs> so there, I mean, you know, that that yeah, means it's it's the difference though of like taking a photo with, um, you know, like an a. A 70 to 200, let's say you take a photo at like 200 on like a, you know, a D700 and then you get, a, you know, a 600 lens and you put that on there on like a, you know, a Canon R5 or something. It's it's like going to be sharper and bright, but higher megapixel and all that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, but there must be a limit, right? We must be approaching the limit. Of- yeah. Oh, here it is. <clears throat> Dun, dun, dun. Wow. Ooh. You know what? I bet somebody added all those sun stars. <laughs> no, they did not. Of course not. Ah, it's really, really cool. All right. You listening? Actually, yeah, that image is insane. What? Oh my God. This is so cool. They couldn't have splurged for the texture. giant continuous screen. Yeah, I don't know. Is she getting emotional? Oh my god, all these people are freaking out. Look at how sharp wow. it is. <clears throat> Whoa. Okay, so we're still recording. Let's get back yes. to it. We just watched the clip of the final final image reveal, which uh anybody can just go to NASA's website and see for free. They release all the images in super like perfect high res. Massive, yeah, detail. Pretty crazy. Pretty crazy. Uh, yeah, so they so they revealed they revealed four images. Um, 
One was um, the image that Biden like tweeted out yesterday, which is the the web's first image, which is the deep field um, of like just hundreds, thousands of galaxies. Um, the second one, and so they they kind of went through and were talking about some some of the stellar formation and the galactic formation that they saw going in there, but especially um, what what was especially exciting about that image was. Um, the discovery of, or, you know, the actual, actually being able to see these super, super, super faint, super distant uh, red galaxies um, in the back. And those are the ones that the web was designed to photograph and to like examine. Those Mm -hmm. are galaxies that formed 13 billion years after the big bang. The, that's the furthest we can see right now. Um, So that was really cool. Then yeah, they release amazing. Um, a, just a yeah. So then they release a spectrograph of a of just like an exoplanet that they've been looking at that is closer to its own star than Mercury is to ours, but it has, according to their to their data, it definitely has water uh, in the atmosphere. Definitely has clouds and haze. Um, so that's a pretty significant discovery too. That's amazing. Did they have a uh, name for that exoplanet? Uh, yeah. What did they name it? Wasp 96 system. Uh, it's just a planet in the wasp 96 system. I don't know. Um, cool. A wasp 96 B <clears throat> is what they're calling it. So that's that exoplanet. And then they, they showed an image of, um, a stellar, like a supernova. Of a binary star, it's very cool. <laughs> it's so really, I'm, I'm really going cool. through the feed feed right now and, and looking at the comparison images between Hubble mm-hmm. and James yeah. Webb, <clears throat> and it's it's a it's insane actually. Like to see, first of all, there's much more. I don't know how they've shifted colors, if at all. I'm sure it's not all natural color, maybe, but uh, it it's very red, white, and blue, or, or like orange, white, and blue versus Hubble, where there's a lot of greens and mostly orange. A little mm. bit of white. It's so so interesting to me the difference in um, just the color, the coloring, <clears throat> not not just the sharpness and resolution, but yeah, definitely. Uh, wow, and of course, so the they they had a um they had a little segment on the live stream just now of the post process um like editors mm, that yeah. were just editing the images, and they mm-hmm. just kind of described how they would assign the colors based on the distance basically um so anything that's red is typically you know red shifted really far away or older mm. um and then the um blue is close is like nearer and closer okay so but you know they they kind of went through a bunch of stuff and they also showed some really cool um description or some really cool diagrams of like w- what it looks like inside the james webb space telescope there's like a mirror that bounces off another mirror that bounces off another mirror that bounces off another mirror that goes through a section where they can, this disc basically rotates and has different filters on it. So they can just rotate the filters based on what they want to observe. Um, so mm-hmm. they can just snap the same image and then rotate the, um, the filter disc, I guess, uh, and get, you know, the whole spectrum of an image. One thing I just can't help but wonder about is is the next generation after this, what how it could possibly be <laughs> improved because it, it's so 
sharp. I mean, I guess like the zoom in and resolution could be improved, but man, these are just sure. insanely detailed. I, I, it's hard to even wrap your head around. I would also love to know uh, the method of you know, like how long it actually takes to get um, these images beamed back to earth and downloaded. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Um, I do know that they said during the stream that the, um, that the images from Hubble usually would take about two weeks to kind of put together start to finish. And they said they can do these images like over breakfast, uh, with, with the okay. JWST. So wow. they can, it's got significantly like faster capability. Um, as I keep looking through uh, Twitter, there's just endless comparisons between Hubble. And I, I have to admit, I have not appreciated the scope and, uh, and incredible output that that Hubble had. Yeah, I've seen, oh my God, I mean, yeah, everything there, that we've but, seen is Hubble. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty insane. The, the improved detail in some of these galaxies is <laughs> kind of terrifying uh, because <laughs> yeah. it's just, you're like, oh wait, that is actually an entire freaking galaxy it's not just a blob of orange you can actually see this interaction and right. and okay the other thing though that kind of freaked me out last night when you and i were uh hanging out at your place and we were looking at the the first image the one that you mentioned biden tweeted there there is some little pockets of interaction where you can see things like looping around each other or whatnot but mm -hmm. <clears throat> i couldn't help but notice it just looked like somebody took a like a whole fistful of pixie dust and just threw it just threw it out and it's yes. all just flying uh there's no discernible like rhythm or pattern to how these things interact i mean obviously they're spread very 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 far apart but yeah it's so crazy that it's just a wall of material <laughs> just right. flying yeah it's, it's it is a little bit strange to think that it's not possible to comprehend that <laughs> yeah that we are on a planet that is around a star and that's hard enough to understand on its own but the fact that our star is just one star in a galaxy and in this one image are thousands of galaxies through space and time none of which are in that same space right now this is an image that you know is the the universe as it was like 13 billion years ago in the back and in the foreground, you know, a couple hundred light years. Yeah. It's just so strange. What's cool about, Oh, here's the other thing too. They made a special note. Um, so find the image of the five galaxies, uh, together. Okay. Um, the ones that are kind of circling each other. One, two, mm -hmm. three, four. Is this it? Yes. It's called Stefan's quintet. Yep. I see. So it. what they, especially highlighted on this image was, so there's, there's this, try to think about this image three-dimensionally. Okay. So mm -hmm. these bright, the bright stars, the, the bright, um, the super bright spots with, um, you know, the, the star flare, um, mm -hmm. it are stars in our galaxy, in our solar, or not our solar, in our galaxy that, are in the path of this image, right? So these mm. are, you know, think oh, of them. Oh, is that as what those are? Is that why? Yes, these okay. are That makes sense why stars. they're so much brighter and why they contain sun stars because they are that much brighter. They're just in exactly. the path of, ah, very cool. So they're in the path of, of the galaxy. So we are seeing stars in our own galaxy right here. Lots of them. 
right? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, 30, 40, 50 of them. Okay. Then we're seeing these galaxies that are sort of at mid range, right? This, this quintet of galaxies that are all kind of, I think four of them are actually circling each other. And then one is kind of off to the side. Um, mm-hmm. And so that's kind of midfield. And then in the background, we're also seeing every single one of those other, especially the red ones, all of those are super distant galaxies. So mm-hmm. what, what James Webb space telescope has done is it has zoomed in and focused in on its subject, this quintet of five galaxies, but in the foreground is our own galaxy. And in the background is like hundreds of, or thousands of other galaxies. And so this is like, it's like near mid and far range in terms of Mm. what this image is actually seeing. Now, do you have any sense of the percentage of the sky that this is capturing? Like, like, like it's hard to even like, describe how you would even measure that but i don't know how to describe <clears throat> that yeah it's like, tiny i know i figured it, it is but i just i wish there was a way to quantify i wonder if it says yeah oh and uh one other thing about this image is that they mentioned that it actually shows even though you can't see a black hole here there is a black hole in this image interesting by the way <laughs> there's a photographer friend of mine who was messaging me this morning. Uh, his literal name is James Webb Photography. And his <laughs> Instagram is James Webb with two Bs, exact same spelling. Oh, he's blowing up right now. <laughs> yeah. It's like he must be getting tagged all over the place. Uh, so funny. I wonder if that's why there's NASA Webb as the Twitter oh. handle. Yeah, it's maybe. NASA James Webb or something. Yeah, that's... Um, these are amazing. This is so exciting. And it... Ties in very nicely with uh, my theory of the universe. We kind of gave you the outline last week, um, which is a a combination of things. Have you, have you thought deeply about how I'm right? (laughs) Oh, I have, I have thought about your, your theory and I think it's, it's cool. I don't, (laughs) I don't think that, I mean, it's, it's totally possible. What this is, is it's, so it's, it's a Southern ring nebula, but in the first image on the left, they're like, oh, cool. It's, um, you know, it's a nebula. We're pretty sure it's a binary star, but they couldn't see it in that image. But check it out. When Miri took the shot, you can clearly see the second star. Mm-hmm. Um, that is a binary star. Boom. Right there. It's so cool. It's so, and it's in such good detail. Like, I mean, we are literally staring right down the barrel of a binary star exploding a couple of times. So you're seeing the, the sort of more prominent ring, uh, oval shaped ring. That's kind of nearer to it is like, you know, secondary explosion. The first explosion is all that other stuff, uh, around Mm. the edge. Um, and there's a second ring too. So there's like one, two, I think maybe three explosions over the course of, you know, I don't know, thousands, maybe millions of years. Um, and that's just so sick to see an actual, binary star exploding like that in such high detail is crazy. It really is. I didn't realize they were broadcasting everything from uh, NASA's Goddard Space Flight Center in Greenbelt. Yep. Uh, yeah. I buy that all the time. And the actual control room for Webb Space Telescope is 10 minute drive from both of us, uh, right in the heart of Baltimore, right near the, oh. um, 
Did not know right that. near the Johns Hopkins on the Johns Johns Hopkins campus. Very cool. I love that. Yeah, they were broadcasting uh, from there today too. Yeah, the uh, NASA Goddard and NASA Goddard Visitor Center are literally a two minute drive from the Dianette Center of America, where I shoot a ton of wedding ceremonies. <laughs> so <laughs> awesome. it's it's really weird because you get off the highway and then it's like farmland for mm-hmm. a couple miles, and then boom, there's NASA, and then right past NASA, it's a Typical American suburb with a Turkish mosque right in the middle of it. <laughs> yeah. It's like imported from Turkey. Like so crazy. By, or like stone by stone. And it's just this weird little uh, collection of just totally random, different, could not be more different uh, buildings and purposes. <laughs> That's really cool. It's really, yeah. But uh, yeah, I think about NASA a lot uh, just by the nature of driving and driving by. It's really cool. The, the image that's really blowing my mind, honestly, is is the, the Stephens Quintet image. I just feel like the more and more I look at it, the more kind of three-dimensional it gets. But I'm also looking and realizing that right in the middle of the image to the right are two galaxies that are really near each other. And they're they're totally like interacting with each other. It's so crazy. Yeah, I wonder if the additional resolution provides much. Uh, well, it must provide just unfathomable amounts of new realizations and data for people to play with. But I wonder if it provides any kind of breakthrough mathematically how they think about things, or just how that process sure. plays out. And I'm also wondering like how they go about pixel by pixel, like discerning what's different. Is this another new thing? Is it just a piece of dust? <laughs> like what is going on there? Um, or if they just look at it as a whole and kind of make broad uh, observations and they don't try and get too in the, in the weeds about what every little speck might be. I'd be really interested. Honestly, I'm sure track that things. I'm sure that they have anything that looks interesting they are diving down this hole everybody's the thing that i think i liked most about this live stream was just how geeky it was and how everyone in in this uh like on the show or like on the live stream was just extremely excited kind of kind of funny on camera and total nerds it just makes me so happy that these are the people that are actually doing the observations and yeah. you know, that there's no, there's no like slick, you know, guy or gal that's just, you know, yeah. up there being like, all right, like we got these great images. It's, it's these scientists that are like, this is, we definitely, <laughs> I think we're, we're really, what we're seeing here is maybe the, you know, a black hole, uh, but we need to, you know, make sure to, you know, check our observations and things like that. And I'm yeah. like, this is just so yeah. great. <laughs> James Webb spotted the unambiguous signature of water, indications of haze and evidence for clouds once thought not to exist there. So That's one cool. thing I uh, remember talking about yesterday with the, the teaser image you and I were looking at, the as a photographer, it's really fascinating to think about the decisions, I'm assuming, go into the trade-off between noise and exposure detail. And, and where, mm-hmm. because the images that we're getting, though way less noise, um, than the Hubble images, there's still noise. So, you know, mm-hmm. that's a, it's something people not to think about as much now in photography because the, you, know, you can shoot what, I don't know. what, what is your current camera, the R6 and what are you, yeah. what's the high end of the ISO you're comfortable shooting before you're like, uh, I'm going to make another I mean, adjustment to light. Yeah. I mean, once I, once I start cracking through 12,600, I, 
you know, I start yeah. thinking, okay, do I want to keep going on and cranking up to 25,000? Like, which I can't, I'm totally fine doing that. But I, I'm like, should I just, can I just lower my shutter speed a little bit and, um, you know, stay a little throw lower on, on light, ISO? Throw on a flash, something. Yeah, I love that, you know, it used to be more a part of the process, but the the trade-off and decision-making you'd have to make as a photographer mm-hmm. between, uh, you know, your shutter speed so you're not getting too much blur, that's probably not a huge issue with these. I wonder what the maximum amount of time the shutter can stay released on the James Webb is. It's got to be. I don't know, really. but it's... I, it's good. Oh yeah, for sure. My, the issue though is like, how is it staying still for long enough? Because clearly these are super, super, I mean, I I don't understand quite how like mirror lenses work. Wait a second. Um, Yeah, that is difficult because it is orbiting, right? So it is moving, but yes. Um, kind of, it's in a really stable place Hmm. though. So it's able to make observations with, with kind of limited adjustments. But well, uh, yeah. the, the trade-off is still fascinating to think they must be pushing the sensor to a limit of some kind uh, mm-hmm. to, to be able to yeah, get more um, brightness and detail. But I wonder you know, if, if it's mathematically, if it's just preference, they vote on it. Like where is that line of, okay, this is enough noise we need to stop because we start to now be like breaking down on the other side of the noises interfering with uh, what would otherwise be a clear image. So yeah, I don't know. It's really fascinating. Also, I would be really curious. I'm sure it's simple math, but to think about it as a photographer, we mostly operate at most with 30 second exposures, you know, for weddings, obviously photographers will do, we'll do bulb mode and go minutes for cool pictures of space and stuff. But I'm guessing these must be a whole nother level of having to calculate your exposure to get, you know, the properly exposed image like this. Like I just can't even imagine. Also what the heck, I wonder what the aperture of these lenses. Well, that's, that's the thing. Um, mirror lenses have sort of a different way of operating, but basically it's, yeah, it's, it's a crazy F stop of, it says the diameter of primary mirror is 21.3 feet. Right. So that's the primary mirror. That's that big gold mirror that everyone yeah. can see. That's so it cool. takes, it takes all of that and, and reflects it directly into, um, there's basically 18 a, mirror segments and it's 131.4 yeah. meters focal length. Whoa. Whoa. Right. <laughs> okay. So that, that explains why mirror lenses can. It's 430 can, can feet. Be super long. Yeah. Because they're yeah. just, what they're doing is they're taking it and bouncing it around inside. Uh, that effectively makes it a, a, a further focal length. They knew that they needed to build a mirror telescope and it needed to be huge. And so that's what, that's what they did. Originally it was supposed to be eight meters. And I think they, they, you know, made it into 10. Okay. uh, As they Um, were doing their observations or their curious. If you went through this phase, I would be shocked if some photographers don't at one point where there's like an entire YouTube world of, uh, photographers that just geek out on insane space photography like backyard photography. Yeah, Yeah. exactly that. But like in your backyard with an insane, you know, multi thousand dollar, if not tens or more thousands of dollars equipment to photograph insanely detailed pictures of mostly planets. Um, 
anyway, I remember at some point during one of the lockdowns of COVID, I was like, all right, I'm just going to research the crap out of this and buy something so I can do this. But big problem we have on the East Coast here is we just too much noise pollution. A lot, and, a lot and secondary of late, yeah. to that, it seems like though you can get some really incredible uh, captures with these tools, it seems like a lot of liberties are taking uh, creating mosaics or, you know, stacks of stuff and then colorizing it in a way that I'm like, okay, you're, you're drawing on inspiration from actual stuff that you captured, but this is becoming more and more of a blend between sort of CG, uh, or just colorization that you were painting in and on right. top of like a, a template, which was essentially your original photo. So I kind of bailed on that cause I just have no desire to Draw it's a lot on top of a photo that of, was captured. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of work. Um, I do and, follow uh, just a plug for this one guy before I forget. Uh, so one sure. of the few people I back on Patreon and his name is Andrew and I will find his, uh, his exact name. Uh, really amazing stuff. Um, he posts, uh, of course, uh, higher res like wallpapers and backgrounds for your phone and stuff like that to his feed. But he's one of the best in terms of colorizing, uh, the stuff oh, that he captures. Andrew McCarthy. Yep, that's him. Yeah, he's gone viral a few times for his. Uh, <clears throat> well, yeah. If, if you look at his work now, yeah. Andrew McCarthy, let's see space photos. Uh, it, they look insanely detailed, almost like what we're seeing coming from the uh, James Webb Telescope. But it's because it's you know a billion different photos stacked and then colorized right. and controlled in a way that looks really impressive and might even be scientifically accurate, but isn't like, yeah. Oh, I remember his photo of the sun. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. He's got beautiful pictures of, uh, the moon, but I, I, I still think he takes a lot of liberties with how things are colorized. Um, which makes for really mind blowing, compelling photos, but not, I don't think not scientifically accurate, but right. Yeah, beautiful enough that he's getting 7,600 likes on a photo. It's insane. Oh yeah. But he lives also in the you know Southwest. So really clear skies. And a lot yeah. of the work is just knowing where to freaking point the thing at what time of day. And it's, his, his work is beautiful. It's really, really great stuff. Really so highly, cool. He's got yeah, like gonna, half a million take, followers. Take a look so. at that. His Patreon is great. Uh, not very. So what I was hoping on his Patreon would be a little bit more of a, guide into his process and methods not too much of that going on but he's good sure. enough that i just want him to continue existing in the world doing what he does which is why i continue <laughs> to back him but cool yeah definitely check his stuff out and i'm curious if anybody listening uh, has a side hobby of doing this i'm guessing it's very region specific based on um, like you would have to drive i think a few hours from where you and i live nathan to yeah really be able mm -hmm. to do anything unfortunately I guess there's not enough filters or <clears throat> you would think like certain IR backs like infrared capture and all that would almost be immune to uh, light pollution. But I don't know. I, I'm not maybe sure. It even is. I just kind of gave up after a while because I was just I have something else to do. <laughs> I also you eventually you, you need like it's not like grabbing like a 600 meter le millimeter lens and like pointing it at the sky. And yeah, it's you it's have not. to like do calculations or like get a camera, get a, a a computer that you can attach to um, yep. a telescope and then you kind of like figure out a way to attach your camera to the telescope and then you can start actually making some some photographs and they're all going to be like weird and janky and 
you know, it's, I mean, it's, and it's just like stabilization, with else. like all this stuff weighs a ton. You have to get a uh, stabilization or stabilizer that will actually move as well. Like mm-hmm. synced in with the right speed, given the movement of the earth and all kinds of stuff. That's really, really fun and fascinating for people that are into it, but super cool. I think, I think in, again, like in a, you know, in a different life, I probably would have done that. Hey, maybe when I'm like 60 and I'm like, I just want to take photos of stars. I can, you know, yep. just like James Webb. All those years ago, I can, yep. I can just, um, you know, start doing that. But to an extent, but I've been following the James Webb Space Telescope since before its launch on Christmas Day this this past Christmas. It was it was such a cool thing too that like it was supposed to launch earlier, a few days earlier, I think. Um, but weather wasn't good. Some sensor wasn't working right on one of the launch vehicles, so they were. They just postponed it a few more days to, you know, check everything out and test everything out on the the rocket. They and so it was literally Christmas morning. I woke up like a couple of minutes later than I wanted to, and I was like, I was like, oh, I was, I, I was like popping through Instagram or something, and then like all of a sudden it was like, oh my god, James Webb! And I like ran down ran downstairs. I was staying over at um, Abby's uh, dad's house with with Abby, um, you know, getting ready for Christmas morning. I like ran downstairs in my pajamas, like opened the screen and I saw the, you know, the rocket in midair and I was like, James Webb took off. And I just watched it as, nice. as the whole live stream, as they um, launched the, as the, the James Webb space telescope, like popped off of, of its, you know, launch vehicle and started going out into space. And then as it spread, it's, it's solar wings, basically it had these like four solar wings that it, it, it spread. Those. And yep. it, as they all expanded, everybody in the European Space Agency just went like jumping up into the air and screaming yeah. and like super excited. <laughs> and as you just slowly, slowly, slowly watch this tiny little observ- observatory all packed up into this this silver package, just slowly moving off into its to its destination. And it was so cool to watch. It was very geeky, but I just really loved it. And uh, and then over the course of literally uh, the, since then, ever since then, every couple of weeks, I've been checking in on all of the different milestones it's been hitting because as most people may know, but may, some people may not, the James O. Space Telescope was too, it's too big to have been just put into space and like opened and ready to go. They had to pack it in in such a way that the mirrors, there's three sections of mirrors and two of them, two of the sections of mirrors folded in. So they kind of created this little uh, neat little package just that could fit inside mm-hmm. this rocket. And so as the, and it's a very complex uh, space telescope because in order to, for the lens to be able to filter the infrared to get real infrared data, it needs to be cold, like really, yeah, like really, really, really cold. 400 degrees or something, or like 350 yeah. degrees Fahrenheit. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> it has all, all of these literally silver um, heat shields, five of them that had to be that, that are positioned between the camera and the sun so that the sun's warmth does not come into the images and create basically a red haze uh, around mm around the images. So it wouldn't have, it would basically have been muddying the image, but just 
not because of light, but because of heat, which I think is so cool. That's fascinating. Um, and so over the course of the last, you know, six, seven months, it's been traveling to its destination, which is this kind of like perfect spot between the earth and the sun. It was kind of like unfolding like origami. And every single time that it it did this, like a change, it could have failed and yeah. there would have been no way to fix it. So they had to like really test everything out rigorously. And apparently, long story short... <clears throat> everything went even better than expected for the scientists. And no, that's good. As we can see today, all that work sounds paid like, off. Sounds like that's been deal. a um, recurring theme in terms of, uh, you know, a lot of the <clears throat> Mars uh, vehicles and everything kind of lasting much, much, much longer than was planned or rated. Right. <laughs> uh, it's kind of amazing. Yeah. So some interesting facts though. Uh, the whole project was developed starting in 1996 uh, and a launch was initially planned for 2007, uh, $500 million budget. Um, but there were tons of delays, cost overruns, and then they just decided to do a major redesign in 2005. So I've always wondered about this as well. I mean, technology iterates so quickly for consumer products. How do you plan for where technology is going to be in something like a, a digital camera like this when it's you know, a 20 year long project and de deployment where it, the know. technology might've improved so much now that you should just start over because <laughs> you, you, you want that newest sensor or whatever. Uh, but anyway, it's interesting because in 2005, uh, they actually had a ripped sunshield during a practice deployment deployment oh, wow. and, um, they pissed off Congress. There was like a bunch of review boards about the cost overruns, COVID pandemic, all this stuff like stacked and, uh, ended up costing, uh, well, first of all, they completed the construction in 2016. So even after that, it took that long for them to be able to launch the thing. So crazy. Entire cost, $9.7 billion. <laughs> <laughs> Those are some real expensive pictures. Uh, I was also thinking this must be like a poster making company's favorite day on, on Earth. Oh my God, yes. <laughs> the, 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 the pay pay money for this desktop wallpaper uh, companies are all freaking out too. And the pay money to name a new star uh, <laughs> must also oh be freaking God. out. Yeah. It's uh... so something that they touched on um, during the live stream. That was cool. I knew beforehand, but it was cool to hear them talk about it too, was the process by which they decide how, like, what should this thing take photos of? Because NASA has their own priorities in terms of like, we want to observe this and this sure. and this. Yeah. Um, but this is a, it was put into space so that scientists from all over the world, from any kind of discipline could use it as a, just to book it, you know, Hey, shoot this thing for me. That's um, cool. And so what you do is if you're a scientist and you want to make, let's say, let's say you, you theorize that there is water on an exoplanet in like, you know, let's say like the wasp 96 system or something like that what you would do is you would submit a proposal to NASA that's that basically has your theory, has your hypothesis, has your idea about like what you want to observe, uh, how you want it to be observed and what you're expecting to see and why you think it would be significant, uh, to, you know, to, to observe. And you submit that to NASA and hmm. they will like, look at it, review it and be like, you know, either, uh, we, we can't, we can't do it for whatever reason or, okay, this is a significant enough, um, 
idea and a, you know, important enough observation that we will give you just for free. I, I'm assuming time, like we're, we'll, we will photograph this thing for you and send it. Um, That's amazing. That must be, yeah. I'm thinking those are people working on PhDs and, yep. and like, mm-hmm. like really research students. Yeah. That's exciting. Very cool. And yeah. And there was, yeah, I was, I was just reading about this one story that she submitted her, you know, application like, Hey, we know that we, you we, we're pretty sure that James Webb is going to be able to observe, you know, this, that, um, and the other, and this is, you know, what we want to look at. And so they, they approved it. And she was like, when they got the approval that like the most powerful telescope in the, in humanity will be taking photos for them. They were like, yes, like, <laughs> Oh, that's got to feel amazing. That's yeah. cool. Uh, thanks for outlining that process. Very mm-hmm. interesting. I never really thought about <clears throat> how they go about. I mean, it's gotta be such valuable. The whole project is what meant to last 10 years or something. I'm not sure how long it's going to be up there. And, it's, and it is but. rated for a 10 year thing, yeah. but it's, they said that according to their data about how it was deployed and like it's, you know, it's current operational, you know, structure or whatever it's, it, it's going to be able to go for significantly longer than that. Crazy. I think, I think Hubble was the same way. They thought it was, um, Oh, you know, what was funny though. Apparently Hubble, and I don't, I don't know if you're aware, but I, apparently when Hubble was first launched, there was this like huge controversy because it was out of focus. <laughs> oh, um, and they literally had to send a mission to like refocus it, like oh with astronauts to like refocus it. <laughs> That's and like insane. Yeah, Hubble's everybody in Congress cool. was like pissed off because it was like it was supposed to be like perfectly. I see, focus. and you it can, was not. You just it was Google bad. it. NASA.gov. Yep, the comparison image of the core of a galaxy. Dramatic improvement. Let me send it to you. This is 1993. Yep, you are right. They literally had to fly up there and make a lens adjustment. Mm-hmm. Oh, could you imagine the feeling when you finally get the images downloaded? And, yeah, it's and like, just, oh, uh, why is it so fuzzy, everybody? <laughs> Steve, you forgot Steve. to focus. <laughs> Damn it, Steve! Oh, that is so funny. Anyway, I had no idea. This is so long ago, 1990 to 1993, is when uh, the computer image processing, uh, they, they found a way to mitigate the effects, but that's that's not what you want. You don't want that. You don't want to. No, you don't want that. Oh, wow. Forward. That's so funny. Yeah. They I mean, were like, guys, uh, is that galaxy supposed to look like that? But, you know, another thing I've always been interested in, have not done enough research, is is the use of digital cameras like i mean that they were nothing mm-hmm. in early 90s nobody had digital right. camera but they these must all be digital images right nobody's yes like unloading the film roll and bringing it back to earth no. that would be amazing <laughs> so it's just it's kind of incredible to think of where uh yeah it's really painful and everything would have to be custom coded and uh just slow to work with uh digitally mm-hmm. at that time period but the fact that they had access to that and were able to pull off. I wonder what they have access to now. Um, just yeah. like on the ground in the labs. So kind of going along with that and that uh, comment you made earlier about how do you plan for technology's advancement? Well, so Hubble has definitely an advantage uh, that comes with trade-offs over the James Webb Space, Space Telescope, which is that because Hubble is orbiting our planet, 
if there was something that needed to be changed on it that needed to be worked on, for instance, you know, an out of focus lens, yes, uh, lens, then you can send a mission with astronauts on it to fix it. James Webb Space Telescope does not have that possibility. So they had to, we can't, like, we can't send a mission to fix it. If something went wrong and it got Mm. hit by a meteor or something like that, which has already happened, it's already been hit by like a couple of little, um, yikes, a couple of, 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 um, tiny meteorites, um, yikes, that, um, they, they can't fix it. So they can't make any adjustments. They can't do anything. So Mm. I'm, I'm also a little worried that we're kind of not exactly on borrowed time, but like there may be a time where it gets hit by something and gets so out of alignment that the images, it can't complete its observations the way it was intended to. Um, But they basically have said that where it is in the Lagrange, uh, the Lagrange point, is mm-hmm. what it's called, where it's the place where it is. Um, it should be fairly safe from that kind of thing. But it is weird to think that like, so with Hubble, they did send, I think three or four multiple missions up to kind of adjust certain things or to like upgrade its sensor, I think at one point and um, things like that. Whereas that you can't do that with James of space telescope. Okay. So I'm wondering kind of, again, along the lines of your earlier question, like how do you, like how do you plan for advancing technology or like, where do we go from here? I think I would assume that they're kind of at least already thinking about it, even with these first images coming through, I'm sure, you know, the technology end of the, the scientists are kind of being like, I wonder what we can do more. Like, how can we keep going? It's exciting. Also the data, like the, gets downloaded i'm sure there's an ability for improved software to you know over the next 10 years take the data from the original sensors that are up there now and do something more amazing with it interpreting it using ai or whatever Mm -hmm. maybe maybe ai and machine learning i don't know actually how but like some way to reinterpret you know it's like when you um pop in an image from the d3 now into lightroom 6400 used to be unusable noise back when Lightroom uh, was, mm-hmm. you know, whatever version of Lightroom existed with the D3. But now uh, they look great. Like the images aren't amazing. You still want a newer sensor, sure. but th- your old photos have kind of new new life breathed into them because the totally. algorithms uh, interpreting the noise and dealing with the data have gotten so much better. Uh, so it's exciting to think and, and just wonder about how they iterate their software. Yeah, it's really fascinating. But yeah. Um, <clears throat> Yeah, but there we was can research that. <laughs> yeah, there <laughs> there was that. a um a, a sort of be, and would, I think oh, sorry, for us like delay. the most say what? Oh, sorry, there's a delay. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, uh, I was just gonna say that there are. Uh, so during the segment with it, where they were talking with the editors that were processing these images, the the engineer that was working on it was clearly like removing, um, like pixel, like there was some some red, you know bad pixels in there that he was like removing by hand. Uh, so there I'm this, the, like going through and looking at the Hubble images against this, clearly these are sharper, um, higher quality in terms of just the sensor, just the, the image that has been gathered, but the editing and the processing on these is really, really stunning to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, the clarity 
with which we're looking at these um, these galaxies, especially in this deep field, is just so so great. The noise is very low, and it's... I just there's so much stuff in here. Like I I can't wait to like look through all these images and just study each black each um each galaxy and in detail. The, it's crazy. Uh, I'm reading more about the Hubble issue. Apparently, the flaw in focusing was tiny. It was only two fiftieths as broad as a human hair, but it was all what? it took to to create that out of focus. Um, effect that we were talking Whoa. about earlier. Yeah, that's that's really, really insane. The tolerances and thresholds for what they must have okay. to Okay. <laughs> as you're as a as an astronaut in a spacewalk <laughs> yeah. working on that. All right. We just need to adjust uh one uh sorry two fiftieths of uh human hair. Uh can you do that uh Johnson? Uh yeah let me just get my screwdriver. So I'm really excited to see I wonder if they're going to use James Webb on anything in our solar system, like Jupiter or Mars, like oh, our own local planets. Yeah. I'm sure they will. They said yeah. that they, that he was. Yeah, that, that was one of the things that, was like, like that they were like, we're going to for sure look at Mars and Neptune and everything else. Yeah. Oh my God, I, I'm so excited. Yeah, I specifically want to see some really, really high high res shots of all the planets in our solar system specifically Saturn and its moons. And I really want to see Uranus because it has like the little, a little faint ring that I just want to mm. see. I just want to see these things in like super awesome high maximum detail, you know? Well, I'm assuming it'll, it'll be an exciting year. And when we have just years and years of these releases to look forward to now, it's going to be totally. And I, as I've been following it, they've been releasing kind of test images over mm. the course of, you know, the past six months um, some of them were just like, here's a photo of like the same star, but because the mirrors were not in alignment yet, it was like the same star, like 15 times in like different areas. And then the next image was, they were like, we got the images aligned and it's one star. <laughs> um, and it's, it's so cool to kind of watch a, an observatory come together in real time through its, through its, uh, through its images that it's producing. And, as a photographer, this is like definitely the day I've been waiting for this day for like a year. And I'm, I'm really impressed by these images, like more impressed than I was expecting to be. Awesome. Well, uh, let's wrap it up there. Let's, uh, cool. we'll, we'll be able to jump in on more of these discussions as images are released. Did they, do you have any idea of the frequency that they're planning to? No, yeah, I guess we'll just wait and see. I, but <clears throat> given that they've been releasing, you know, test images, just, just test shots, I would assume and and they've been releasing them with pretty high frequency. Like every couple of weeks, there was like some new image that was kind of coming out. I would be honestly surprised if it wasn't like every week there was something cool, at least for the, for the next, I don't know, couple of months. I would assume that we should keep our eyes peeled. And now that they, now that the observatory is completely up and running and is clearly gathering results, we should be expecting to see images come in fairly frequently. I would be absolutely just so excited to be one of the people that is you know editing and processing these images i was thinking it'd be real funny if you walked in and they're just like the the files are just being pulled up in lightroom yeah there's some lightroom yeah <laughs> jumping into photoshop for a few special things and back in the light like, no way but i'm that just would gonna pump the exposure here <clears throat> i'm sure they're using photoshop yeah. for a lot of it actually but um i'm sure really funny oh, if they're using lightroom yeah, I mean, at the end, Steve, of, make sure you're, you're importing the backups. 
Steve, get him back to where are the backups? <clears throat> also, be all right, well, curious what the file types are. <clears throat> as I lose my voice, it's a good time oh, to wrap yeah. it. Um, all right, I don't know. well, uh, all right, well, got a busy week coming up. Uh, see you at a wedding on Friday. Yep, see you there. All right, peace. All right, peace. Bye.